1: Dallas week, baby. Cowboys. How you doing? Woo! Anytime you get a rivalry in the NFL, it's always good. Hope everybody's having a spectacular day. We are going to span the globe of the NFL and college football today. And we have a packed show for you. We appreciate when you jump aboard with us like you've been the last couple weeks. We allow people to jump aboard with their spins and takes. We so thank you each and every single time that you give us some intel of what you're thinking about, your favorite team, mostly Eagles. But there's a lot of great storylines going on in both college and pro, and we'll get to that. By the way, as I said, Pac Show, Rick Goslin from Talk of Fame Network will be with us. That will be at the top of the 5 o'clock hour Eastern time. We'll talk with him. He covers the Dallas Cowboys. Then we're going to get a different perspective from Brad Sham who's at a Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones event as I'm speaking. And so he's going to leave that event, and the golden voice of the Cowboys, Brad Sham, will join us, and we'll get Brad's thoughts on what he's seen so far in these first two games as we head into the Eagles week with the Cowboys at AT AT&T, by the way. So appreciate that. We're going to have a packed show, as I said. Joseph, thanks for coming aboard the program, man. That's how we do it each and every single day. Let me start it out. By the way, this is going to be – I love this topic because you know what? Krause Jr. and I sit around, and we have kind of like a little pregame before we get ready to jump on the air. We kind of banter back and forth about the Eagles and where they are right now. ton of cap space next year. You're going to have assets, right? High draft choices. Potentially three first-rounders, right? There's going to be a lot of assets to go out and improve the team. A lot of assets. Krause had a really good spin, and I'm going to kind of weave it into a topic. Do we all agree, as of today, September 21st, with all the assets that I just said, that Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Eagles, should no matter what draft a quarterback. Now, does that mean first round? Second round? Third round? latter round? If you are Howie Roseman, okay, Jalen Hurts does not have a long leash. There's no long leash here. You've invested at the wide receiver position. You need to invest also in the running back position. You need an elite guy. Gary Cobb yesterday said it on the program. They need an elite guy behind Hertz or whomever's playing quarterback. The defense has only given up 6 and 17 points in two weeks. Okay? Maybe what you do is this. Jalen plays well enough that you use him as an asset as a trading chip to potentially trade up, to go into the draft, and maybe get a top-flight kid coming out of college. What would you do? Do you agree? And if you're an Eagle fan right now, you have to admit and you have to say this. As of today, I'm still drafting a quarterback in next year's draft. No matter what that is, Later round, mid-round, top three. Am I wrong when I say that? Jalen Hurts has not done anything but give us some optimism. He hasn't given us any certainty. We're not sure he's the guy. And we're now going into week three, and we're going into Dallas, and he's playing against Dak Prescott. One of the reasons why the Miami Dolphins were kicking the tires on Deshaun Watson, they know Tuatuga Viola can't beat Josh Allen. They need somebody else to compete with that player. Muhammad says it's Dallas week. Absolutely. Okay. Smile says Dak and Jalen, stellar week one stats returned back to earth in week two. Joseph says unknown. There will be. A Sam Darnold available next year. He's actually talking about what we're now seeing a little bit that is going on in the NFL where you get these reclamation projects. Ryan Tannehill is a great example of that, right? Tannehill goes to Tennessee, turns his entire career around. Trevor, appreciate it, brother, right? Are we drafting a quarterback in the upcoming NFL draft draft Next year, if you're the Eagles. Yes? Yes? That has to be a priority. To what end, though? Major priority? Which means top three rounds. And going after a first-round prospect, a kid from Oklahoma, the North Carolina kid. There's players in college football that are going to be high prospects and that are going to give you a chance to win. Nobody really thought Patrick Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech was going to be that. We see that all the time. I mean, I even heard Boomer Esiason making the comment, Trevor says yes, that if you had to redraft all the guys again, would you really take Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence? Boomer Esiason, who was on this program, has said that. He said it yesterday that if you redrafted the quarterbacks like Zach Wilson and all these dudes that went into the NFL draft this year, that he would take Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence? I'm not there with that. I think what they're doing in New England is personally giving Mac Jones the tools that it takes to succeed. They're not really asking him to do anything. They're still not asking him to do much. Three yards per pass play? Versus Trevor Lawrence, who's throwing at 10 yards per pass play. Okay? Joseph says Tannehill goes to Tennessee available. I mean, dude, it's unbelievable. Right, on a stream, he becomes available. They get him, and now he's making $29.5 million as a starting quarterback for the Titans. Crazy. Get this. He doubles the money that Derrick Henry makes. Doubles the money, so reclamation projects is what he's talking. By the way, look at Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater and what he's doing right now for Denver is really remarkable, but not shocking. Teddy's a good player. You know, Matt Rule didn't see the formula between him and Teddy that he thought was going to be able to lead to victory. And remember something, though. Teddy Bridgewater didn't have Christian McCaffrey last year. When he was in Carolina and he signed that contract with Carolina, he didn't have that affordability of having him back there. So now Bridgewater's at a place. By the way, if you take a look at Denver, Denver right now has some assets. Their guys can catch the ball. They can run it, as always. And they're playing some pretty damn good defense. Denver's really trending up now. All of a sudden, they get an adult at the position of quarterback in Denver. And they kicked that guy, Drew Locke's ass out of there, who was completely flopping around like a fish out of water. And you put an adult at that position, even though he throws a couple picks, he's still there, and he gets a win. Here's what I'm asking everyone here when it comes to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts here, folks. Okay? He's got a short leash. Do we all agree? Short leash. I don't start to see something by the midway mark of the season. And I don't feel good. You know that number's going to go because here, I'll give you guys where I'm starting. I'm going to draft a quarterback if I'm Howie Roseman, okay? Philly talk podcast, bridge over troubled water. He's definitely not the most talented, but can get it done especially with that defense. Okay? Birdman, I love what the short leash and how he has the assets to make the move. Birdman, he does. Okay? He definitely does. Okay, Uno, I'm telling you. I mean, here's here's where I'm at. If I had to pick, I'm going to pick a quarterback in next year's draft. Howie Roseman has to pick a quarterback. And I would think Nick Sirianni wants one, too. Just for the simple fact that you're going to look at it and go, really, Nick? Okay, really? You're going to be in a position right now where you're going to turn around and go like this, Joe Flacco? Now you went out and got Gardner Minshew. I get it. Okay, at the end of the day, you went out and got Gardner Minshew. Okay, so he's a good backup, but why do you have Joe Flacco on that bench? So, to me, somebody could also be looking at, and don't give me Tyson Hill in New Orleans. I don't want that guy at all, anywhere near Philadelphia. I have no interest in that. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for gimmick quarterbacks now. Hey, and by the way, Nick Sirianni, I'm not looking for any more gimmick plays down in the red zone. Let's try to push it across the finish line here. Okay? I'm not looking for any of that. So here's where I'm starting. If I'm going into the draft next year, if I'm the Eagles today on September 21. I'm probably going to draft a quarterback in the fifth round, fifth round and up, probably right around fifth round, fifth, four round, fourth round. I'm probably going to be there because I am going to give Jalen the opportunity to succeed here, but I'm not going to go past the midway point of the season and go, Hey, you know what? He needs a full season, a full season. No way a full, that's a wasted year. Uh Uh-oh, Trevor Foles, man. Foles is the ultimate substitute teacher. Okay? Ultimate substitute. I think he's going to be an Indy by the end of the week still because Wentz's injury, in my opinion, okay? I, 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 I just don't see him getting through a regular season. I really don't. I just don't see him, okay, getting through that regular season. I just don't. So at the end of the day here, I mean, you got to look at it like this. You got to look at it like, without a doubt here, bottom line goes down like this, okay? Bottom line goes down like this. They've got to be able to look at this and say this, are we going to be able to trust him going forward. Will he be the guy that I need moving forward? Okay? Will he be the guy? That's all I'm asking. That I don't know yet. That I don't know. Okay. Dallas Cowboy week. Make no, make, make no mistakes about it here. This is a big game for both these organizations. Big game. Big game for both these organizations. And by the way, Dak's got to win these games. Dak's got to get in a position where he starts to win these ball games. There's more pressure on Dak Prescott going into this game. Okay? More pressure going into this game than maybe any game that he's had in the last few years. You were paid big money to beat the Eagles. To win the NFC East, you've got to win games like this. This is the most important, okay? All I'm saying to you right now is he's got to win this game. That's why when you're the Eagles, you're playing with house money right now. You're playing with house money. Here, just, a, just, just briefly here. For you to be able – and what does Jalen and the Eagles have to do versus the Cowboys? EB says, how Carson Wentz managed to strain both ankles on a play. Dude, I, that guy is just paper mache. Okay? He's just paper mache. I, I, I really I, – I, I mean, I can't I, – I don't know what's wrong with Wentz. Wentz, whether he's careless – I hear people saying that in the media – That he's just careless. Um, For me, you know, I just look at him and I say, dude, this guy, either he's the most unluckiest guy, or here's a guy once again that I said to you yesterday. I mean, his body just can't hang and go through a 17 game regular season. He just can't. He just can't. Daz Jackson says McNabb was horrible in his first six games. Daz, Peyton Manning was horrible in his first 16 games. I think he threw 28 interceptions in his first year. Are you comparing Jalen Hurts' ability to Peyton Manning? I'm surely not. When Jalen Hurts came out of college, sorry, but I didn't see Peyton Manning. That's not quite what I'm looking at. Okay? I don't see Peyton Manning. So, I mean, and, and, and for the record, I don't see Donovan McNabb either. This guy's at 53% completion percentage. Here's what the Eagles have to do, formula-wise. If they're going to do anything against this Cowboys team on the road. Philly Talk podcast says, got to see some passes across the middle. I'll get to that because you know what? Krause Jr. brought that up too, about passes across the middle. Real quicker before I get to Dallas and what the Eagles have to do against the Cowboys this week fundamentally, at least at the beginning of the week. Let me throw this at you. He said something, we need to see more passes across the middle. Well, guess what you have in the middle? You have more congestion. I don't think he's seeing the field very well. I, I, I really, I don't think he's seeing the field as well as you think he is. And I think they have to move him around more. And that's why they're sprinting him out more. I don't think he sees the middle of the field, and that's why you're not seeing a lot of targets. You're seeing more hash mark targets and then to the, to the uh, sidelines, aren't you? Like the numbers to the sidelines. That's where you're seeing the majority of the passes. What does that tell you? He doesn't see the field. He doesn't see all the field. But that's a common thing for young players. As he gets more reps and as he gets more used to seeing the field and he's able to go through his progressions more, that's going to become second nature to him. So I wouldn't unravel on that. So, again, but it does do this now. If you're the Cowboys and you're on the other side of the ball and you're Dan Quinn, you're going to go like this. Guys, he's not going to really throw anything across the middle, so it becomes predictable. That's why the Cowboys have to get a running game going. It's essential that the Cowboys get a running game going. Well, let me slide over now to the Eagles. Let me tell you what they have to do here. If This football team is going to do anything fundamentally to win. This is what they have to do. They've got to keep backing that offense on the side of, you know, and not allow them to get into the game. They got to limit reps. How do you do that? Run the ball. We talked yesterday with Gary Cobb on this. You got to run the football, man. If the Eagles are going to be successful this year, it's not going to be so much on the arm of Jalen Hurts, it's going to be more on the backs of the offensive line being able to create third and short, being able to take time of possession off the clock. Here's the one thing with Dallas. You know Dallas over the last 10 games is like third in the league when it comes to um, turnovers? Well, that's going to go away. They're still at the bottom when it comes to rush defense, pass defense. They're still not very good. What do they got, two sacks? They're still going to be somewhere down there. You know, I mean, and DeMarcus Lawrence is out. So, I mean, it's fool's gold when people say that the Cowboy defense is getting better. That they play a little better against, against the Buccaneers. That they play better against the Chargers. Chargers are the number one most penalized team in the league. The Buccaneers had four turnovers in that football game. And get this, still the Cowboys lost that game against the Bucks. So that's going to stop because when that stuff comes, it comes in waves, right, turnovers? But when you're still lining up and you're still kicking the crap out of somebody, I still think the Cowboys, I think Michael Parsons looks good from Penn State. But outside of that, man, I still think it's a defense that's maybe scheme-wise a little better. But if I'm the Eagles, especially after I got handled in the second half against the 49ers, Man, after I got handled against the 49ers, physically at the point of attack, I might be doing this. Hey, man, you know, we got to run the ball better. We can't get inside the five-yard line and not get it in the end zone. And where, where, where's the quarterback sneak? I mean, Jesus, Christ, me, the guy. Quarterback sneak, do anything. I would have ran four of them in a row instead of some of those dumbass passes. Philly special, you need to put that away, guy. Hard play action. That's right, Nunez. Joseph says, think about how the crowd affected the 49ers in the first half of the Eagles' home opener. This is the Cowboys' home opener in Jerry's world. The place is going to be nuts. Of course it's going to be nuts. Cowboy fans love that place. Cowboy fans love that team. So we started to show up by saying this. Make no mistake about it. As of today, Howie Roseman is going to go out and draft a quarterback. In the second, he's going he, to, maybe a second day quarterback. It may a guy where you get him on the weekend. Or maybe they end up moving up into the first round next year. And on top of that, he's auditioning. You know what, too? Jalen Hurts may be auditioning for his next job. Maybe auditioning for his next job. I'm not down on anybody. But Krause Junior's right. When you have those kind of assets. Salary cap space. Three first-rounders, potentially. Ton of draft picks. Okay? Man, you, you, you've got to really know that this is a window where you can retool a lot of weak positions. Linebacker. Secondary. The Eagles have been looking for a corner for three years. Okay? They've been looking for a corner for three years. Uno says, find a a way to take control of the game. Hurt strength is not arm, but reading the play. Right decision-making. Yes, he's a good decision-maker. Uno, they've got to keep Dak Prescott on the sidelines. They can't get into a track meet with the Cowboys because the Cowboys are running them out of the building. Too many offensive weapons. The kid Pollard's now coming around. I mean, the kid Pollard's now a better back right now than Ezekiel Elliott. And they've got quick speed. And they've got power now. They've got a running game going. So what's going to make it even more difficult for the Eagle defense is that you're going to be in a position where you have to respect play action now because the Cowboys can run the ball. If I was Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys, and how I would attack the Philadelphia Eagles defense, I'd run it right down their throat, man. I'd keep pounding away, pounding away, pounding away. Let's see if they could stop it. I've got guys, Amari Cooper, and i got CeeDee Lamb on the outside, and I've got these guys behind me. I'm going to keep running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and then I'm going to be at third and short, and I'm going to go to my weapons. The problem that the Cowboys get into, they fall in love with all their assets, and they start throwing the ball on first and second down. Why? Why would you do that? A couple three and outs, Eagles get an opportunity, they score, you're behind. I mean, that's Carson Wentz offense. Right? SNE any, Eagles will draft a pass rusher in the first. Really? A pass rusher? You need to fix the QB spot first, my friend. The people who like taking wide receivers when you don't have a quarterback and you don't have that position solidified, you guys are building the team wrong. Daz Jackson, they need a power runner for – Short yardage. Somebody like a Blunt Blunt would be awesome in that offense. Robert says, against San Francisco, though, Hurts' average pass traveled a league high 14.6 yards. Yeah, because you know why Robert? He was throwing from behind. I mean, they completely dominated the first half of the football game, and as the second half started, they started throwing more, for getting the run, and they were throwing more from behind. You know, last year, everyone kept saying this about Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert threw for a ton of yards, uh, had a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, well, when you're constantly behind and Tua's playing with a lead, it's a completely different animal when you're doing that kind of stuff. It's completely different when you're doing that. Completely different. So the bottom line comes down to, once again, Are you going to be in a position where your football team is going to be able to go out and make things happen and go out and run the ball? I've said this to you guys before, and I'll say it again, okay? I'll say it again. They've got to be able to run the football if they're going to have any kind of success here. They've got to be able to run the sticks. They've got to be able to run the football, okay? So, hey, listen, I'm going to take a brief time out. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Go for the
2: midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spot on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. disappears.
4: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MesaLaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
1: Dan Cilio here. Don't forget, top of the hour, we're going to have our friend Rick Goslin join us. We'll get his thoughts from Talk of Fame Network. He covers the Dallas Cowboys. He's also a Hall of Fame voter. Listen, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. We're going to be back in about three minutes. Line up all your questions. You keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spot on go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink go for the steaks and the steak go for him go for her go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com
3: at stateside vodka every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... could say that. (laughs) Holy
2: sh... The glass is for cocktails, right? It's
3: for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of glass? Okay, but is the rip Smooth?
0: Will you stop
3: doing that?
0: I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
3: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
4: toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
5: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go
2: for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: Dan Silio National Football Show. We're all good. Rick Gosselin, top of the hour. And then in hour number two, we're going to talk to the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. We will talk to our friend Brad Cham. He's at a Jerry Jones event tonight, so he's going to stop what he's doing, and he's going to give us a little preview of the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles. That'll be on Monday night. More of your conversation. Anything you guys want to bring up? I got to say this to you, too. If you're Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, and you're Bill Belichick, are you not kicking yourself in the face right now doing this? Jesus criminy. Did I just really leave Tom Brady out there to go and do whatever he felt like because I thought he was done? Okay? Do you just let that guy walk out of the building? You must be killing yourself. You must be gagging every time you watch Brady step on the field. This guy's got nine touchdowns in two games, and he's got a Super Bowl trophy since he left you. Man, I don't know about you, but you talk about one of the ultimate, I gave up on you too soon's. It's got to be even a 44 year old Brady. You've got to be killing yourself. Man, if you're the New England Patriots, you're dinking and dunking your way to try to be a 500 team, right? You're dinking and dunking with Mac Jones and trying to get to 500. Boy, I'll tell you something, man. Far cry. From throwing that football down the field. Devil dogs, dude. None like it, maybe, when you got some nice, cold, freezing milk. Nice, cold, freezing milk. Hey, man, you know what, though? Let me tell you something. One thing I will say about Jalen, I don't don't have to worry about um, the Philadelphia fans giving Jalen Hurts too much time. You'll know when he sucks. Right? Because everybody has to have that come to conversation and that come to Jesus conversation with yourselves. This guy's just not doing it. I, I don't know. He's just not doing it. And we've got to be better here. We, we've got to be better at the position. Whether I like the guy or not is, is irrelevant. And I think what you can't do sometimes is fall in love with these players and the names on the back of the jersey. You fall in love with the name and the emblem. That's what you fall in love with. You don't fall in love with the names on the back of the jerseys. Now, look, if he's somebody like Carol Carmichael, he's somebody like Reggie White, okay? And he, he's, he's someone like that, or he's a Kelsey, and he's a Lane Johnson. He's one of them guys. You fall in love with those guys because they're long-term veteran Eagle guys. Everybody falls in love with the Bill Burgess of the world. Okay? Right? Once again, Eagles going into this football game on Monday night, this is what I would be making as a priority. Hey, Smiles, you're right. Gary Cobb said it yesterday. 12 completions is not going to cut it in the NFL. You could do that when you're playing old-school Big 8 uh, football back in the old days, and you're running a ball for 350 yards. You can't do that in the NFL. You could do that in old school SEC back in Bear Bryant's day. You're not doing that today against Florida if you're Nick Saban, 12 completions. That's not going to work. That's just not going to work. But my number one priority, if I'm Philadelphia, here, this is going to sound a little bit off here, and I think maybe some of you guys may take offense to what I say. You've got to be more physical. Eagles have to be more physical. Am I wrong when I say that? You, you, you've got to be a little bit more physical. The second half of that football game, you weren't. They out-physicaled you because they made proper adjustments. You were physical now in the first half of that game. No question. No question you were more physical in the first half. Second half of that game, not so much. Okay. Joseph says, Hurts more of a Keith Byers. He'd make a great H-back. Well, guess what, though, Joseph? That's not solidifying your quarterback position. That means if you're talking to me like that, Keith Byers, that means you have a quarterback problem. I don't need Keith Byers type. I need a Russell Wilson type, not Keith Byers. I get what you're meaning, versatility. I understand what you're meaning. Okay, athletically. But I would make this point to you. You know, everybody always goes like this because they always talk about Aaron Rodgers, how great he is as a talent. Right. Would we not agree when you look at Aaron Rodgers, how he throws the ball and how he plays the position? Athletically, Aaron Rodgers looks more athletic as a quarterback than Brady does. Peyton Manning, too. But that's not really the number one asset you have to have to be a quarterback in the NFL, is it? Athleticism. Think about that. You know how many? Why do you think a guy like Lamar Jackson is such a nightmare for defensive coordinators? Because there's nobody in the league like him. This guy can throw four touchdowns, and he can run for 107 yards on you and be the whole show, okay, and be the entire show. He, he's, he's one of a kind. I doubt you'll ever duplicate what you're watching in Baltimore right now. They become a player now in the NFL. Because when you beat one of the kingpins, you now become a player in the game. That win that he got on Sunday night was so important for him. As I told you before, he's 30-5 against the rest of the league. He was 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes going into that game. He gets the victory, bam. He's now a player and so are the Ravens. Even after the loss versus the Raiders in week one. And we're still doing this about the, um, about the Raiders. I don't know. Right? Here's my power five teams in the NFL. I've got the, I've got the 49ers at number five. The Ravens very close. I've got the 49ers right there. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's if, – If how about this, guys? If San Francisco decides to move off of Jimmy G, I think a football team is going to get a really good quarterback. He's good. Patient, hangs in there. Eagles were playing very tough in the first half. Jimmy G played lights out in the second half. They did all their adjustments, and he and that offense carried them to the victory. Nobody cares how it looked. In the NFL, you can win games three to two, and nobody cares. Okay, you don't get style points. You get style points in college football, not style points in the NFL. So for me, I got the 49ers at five, and I said this last Friday to you guys. I said that the 49ers had a better roster than the Eagles. I got the Bills at four. I thought they dismantled the Dolphins. And that opening game lost to the Steelers, I, I still don't know how the Steelers won that football game. Steelers can't run the ball. And that offensive line, I mean, you know, Buffalo out statistic, pretty much every stat there was in that first game. And I, I still to this day don't know how the Bills uh, lost that game against, against the Steelers in their own building too. I've got the Rams at three. I think this Rams-Bucks game, I think it's a Sunday night game. I think it's going to be a hell of a football game. Matthew Stafford really looks like he's fitting in. And the windows that he has now and the running attack that they're getting now with what Sean McVay is doing, I got to tell you guys, the Rams look awful good out of the gate. Eight quarters of football, it's looking good. I think last night against the uh, Packers, I think we all saw why that Sean McVay ended up moving off of Jared Goff, right? Really great first half. I mean, really a good first half against the Packers. All of a sudden, some of the turnover started happening in the second half, and he turned into a turnover machine. He's so inconsistent like that. Really hurts his ability to really be a quarterback where you could count on him for 60 minutes of football. He's so up and down. Uno says, if Philly keep a solid offensive package, maybe West Coast style, Easier to go, 15 completions, 25 completions per game. Yeah, but you need a running attack, you know? You've got to have a solidified running game if you're going to go down that line. I mean, 25 attempts or 25 completions, somewhere in there, 25 completions are good enough, but you have to have a running attack, and it can't just be your quarterback leading the charge. Marcus says, I don't think you're going to have Carolina in your top five. I'm not Marcus, not yet. But they're watch this, they're in the top 10. I think what Christian McCaffrey is bringing to Sam Darnold and the fact that they're able to play defense on the other side of the football, Matt Rule is showing you that he's a pretty good coach. I'm starting to become impressed with Matt Rule. I don't know if I was really impressed with him out of the gate. I think he had to get a sense of the personnel that he had in Carolina. But um, Matt Rule, I mean, he's doing a really nice job with Sam Darnold, rolling him. You see him rolling right, moving him on the run like he did at Southern Cal. Sam Darnold looks completely like a different player under Matt Rule compared to what he was under Adam Gase in New York. I mean, he is a completely different-looking guy. I've got the Chiefs, two, and i got the Bucks one. So my top five go like this, 49ers, Ravens sitting there on six. 49ers, Bills, Rams, Chiefs, Bucks. Could you put the Browns in the top 10? Probably. Um, Could you put the Seahawks in there? A little bit disappointed in the Seahawks. Here's why. So the Titans were down big in that game against Seattle. And Derrick Henry ended up just like running them out of their own building, 182 yards and three touchdowns. And it's the first time And Russell Wilson's career, that he lost a home opener in Seattle. And boy, I'll tell you, they looked a little soft in the middle of their defense. And Tennessee just ran the ball right down their face. And I was like, okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was a little suspect. I'll tell you, the team that really is trending up has got to be the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, to me, you know, with the additions, and plus Chandler Jones is just playing lights-out football, and he is a pass-rushing monster. J.J. Watt is making impact. Kyler Murray is continuing to improve. Damon says Wilson has gotten his royal ass kicked two weeks in a row. They won the opener, dude. They won the opener against the Colts. Um, I See – that's why, though, I don't have Seattle in my top five. I, he is getting hit, and that was a complaint of his in the offseason. You know, remember they went into the offseason, and he was complaining about it. He was the most hit quarterback since he's been in the league. I think this is going on to his 10th season, and the hits on the quarterback are still coming. Jimmy G was awful Sunday. Joseph, I don't think Jimmy G was awful in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. I, I, I don't think he was as awful as you're saying. I think that was an old-school NFC football game, and I really think that the Eagles played really good defensively. I'm not down on the Eagles defensively at all. 17 points, and you give up six points in the first two weeks? I don't know. You should win all your ball games like that. You should win all your ball games. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, going into this game against Dallas, there is so much pressure on the Cowboys. And if I am if, – if, if, if I'm the Eagles, I play to that. Hey, man, this is Dak's world. This is Dak's time. This is Dak Prescott, okay? Joseph Mc, McNabb had an arm, and he was very good in the pocket. He is a borderline Hall of Fame player. How about this? I'm going to make a comparison, not in style, but how close they are to being Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Phil Simms and Donovan McNabb are right there where, get this, if they had a really good, compelling person pitching their careers, you could probably make an argument that they're Hall of Fame guys, especially Simms. Because Sims got a Super Bowl MVP. McNabb, you could make the comment that Donovan played on some really suspect teams, but still carried them a long way. Donovan's the best quarterback that the Eagles have had in 50 years. And that includes Randall. That includes Randall. Okay? I mean, you go back to Jurgensen maybe if you're talking about Eagle quarterbacks or, I mean, Gabriel maybe, stuff like that. Yeah, no, no, Mike, Sims is not a Hall of Famer. I don't know why. Joseph, probably the best since the 50s. I mean, really, the Eagles, I mean, I mean, is a great player, tough as nails, massive respect for the guy. Randall Cunningham, fantastic. Massive respect for the guy. But McNabb was better. Donovan McNabb was better. He's the best quarterback the Eagles have had probably since Jergensen. Probably since him. Okay? That goes back to the early 60s. So, I mean, he's he, he, he's been that good. And, you know, Wentz. Was he on pace to potentially be that good? I don't know. I mean, I I never saw Wentz and went, that guy's better better than Donovan McNabb. Okay, I said this about Vic. I never thought Vic was better. I never thought uh, Nick Foles was better. I never, you know, thought that what they have right now is even close to being Donovan McNabb. Jalen Hurts is not McNabb. Don't kid yourself. It's like night and day. They didn't want to give McNabb the weapons, Toby says. Toby, one of the reasons why they just never really, I mean, they brought the one year they brought TO in, look what they did. They went to the NFC Championship game and they won it. Muhammad says that Wentz had a 4,000 yard passing season and Donovan didn't. Great. Great. My opinion, though. I think Donovan McNabb led his team to more crucial victories than what Carson Wentz ever did. I can't even name you a a critical win that Wentz won. I mean, what was his playoff record in Philly? Kevin D, it's the second game of the season. Quit panicking. There's no panic here. If you go back on the Jacob Media channel, I basically said the same thing. I go like this. I'll give you my assessment of the football team after three weeks started off with Atlanta. Nice start. You played tough against the 49ers. I didn't panic. And now you've got a divisional game against the Dallas Cowboys who are one of the favorites to win the NFC East. Okay. I mean, no, nobody's panicking. I'm just giving you reality here. See, and that's funny. Sometimes people look at it like that, don't they? Okay. Sometimes people look at it like that, like, oh, man, okay, you're you're down on the – I'm not down on anybody. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing, and I hope you see the same thing, unless you think I'm blind, 53% completion percentage since he's been a starting quarterback. I don't know. Okay? All right. We're going to take a timeout, top of the hour. We're going to talk to our friend Rick Goslin from Talk of Fame Network. He covers the Cowboys. Then we're going to also talk to Brad Sham. He is the golden voice of the Dallas Cowboys, been for the last 40 years. We will talk to both those guys coming up, hour two, when it comes to Brad. Top of the hour, our friend Rick Goss, and you keep it right here on the National Football Show.
2: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spot on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go for the steaks. And the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that.
2: Holy shit. The glass is for
3: cocktails, right? It's for this. and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
4: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
1: back, National Football Show, top of the hour. Our friend Rick Gossett from Talk to Fame Network will join us. He is also a Hall of Fame voter. We just had the passing of Roger Brown, seven-time Pro Bowler, was part of the original Fearsome Foursome, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. I think he went to Maryland State. I'll have to double-check when we get Rick on. And Rick is in the Veterans Committee section of the Hall of Fame. He votes on all Hall of Fame prospects. And he's one of the guys that is pushing for Dick Vermeil to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. Had a guy ask me, what's wrong with you? Miami doesn't want to be great anymore. That's what's happened to you. Miami's recruiting choir boys. Well, when you recruit choir boys... That's what you get. You get a nice choir. Decent. Not going to get a football team. You don't win championships with choir boys. You win championships by going out and getting them dudes, them dogs. Choir boys, that's what you got at Miami now. Bunch of nice kids. Fantastic. Great graduation rate. Wonderful. Graduating their players. President Frank must be really happy what he's seeing. Wonderful. Nunez, Maryland Eastern Shore. What a great player. 6'5", Lion and Ram. Man, what a football player. Played with Karras and also played on that fearsome foursome. Joseph, yeah, a great Eastern Shore. What a freaking great player. How that dude's not in the Hall of Fame is a crime. Charles. Dogs, right? You know, I I looked it up. The University of Miami right now is 71st in run defense. My two defenses led the nation in run defense. Gave up 1.9 yards a game. We had six first downs. No, we had six rushing touchdowns against us for 12 games weren't running the ball on us. I don't know how that's gone from that. I have no idea how that's gone from where that was and where we are today. We, were, we look like a turnstile. That defensive front at the University of Miami, you keep telling me these guys are really superstars? I don't see it. I only see results. Don't tell me how good you are. Show me how good you are you get sick and tired of that? Well, this guy's great. <sighs> Come on, man. Yeah. That's right, Joseph. When I'm playing against Bo Jackson, and I'm playing against Oklahoma when they ran the ball, this Oklahoma team that throws the ball, they ran the ball for 300 yards a game. No, that's when we were like, Florida State, they ran the ball 200 yards a game. No, we, it's correct. Playing against big backs back in the day. Big physical running backs. Eric Dickerson's of the world. Damon says, just to defend my earlier point that folks jumped on me for, I was referring to Zach Wilson, who has two TDs and five interceptions. Not wrong. Okay. Okay. I got you, Damon. It's all good. Correction. Maryland State. Okay. Nunez, what a great football player, though. Just a phenomenal player. By the way, Rick Gosselin will join us at the top of the hour. Yeah, I mean, look, Eagles will go into this football game, and look, I ranked here, – here's my rankings for the NFC East right now. Tell me if you think I'm wrong going into week three. I like doing that for the divisions. I've got Washington, number one. I think Washington's a pretty good football team. I've got the Cowboys number two. I've got the Eagles number three. And I've got the Giants number four. You could debate Eagles and actually the top three in the NFC. You could probably go like this. That could completely be different after week three. And it most likely will be. So I wouldn't get my panties in a bind here. Because you hear me say Washington 1, Cowboys 2, Eagles 3. The only reason I give the Cowboys a nod over the Eagles is because look at who the Cowboys have played. They played the Buccaneers, and they had to go on the road into Los Angeles and play a very good Charger team. That's all. Nothing more. Nothing more here on that, okay? All right. Let's get a better perspective here. On the Dallas Cowboys, and by the way, this game is going to be pretty impressive, I think, for everyone to watch because people are going to be asking the questions, are the Cowboys for real? Um, are the Eagles for real? And this may really determine who ends up winning the NFC East this year between these two teams. I still think Washington's in the conversation, but our friend from Talk of Fame Network, Rick Goslin, also a Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, especially on the Veterans Committee, he joins us now. But before I get started, You know I have to always start you with a Hall of Fame question, Rick. We just had the passing of Roger Brown. Roger Brown is a six-time Pro Bowler. He's part of the fearsome foursome, was one of the greatest big defensive tackles in the history of the National Football League in the 60s. Not very many people outside of Rosie Greer and maybe Gino Marchetti were 6'5", 300 pounds. These guys were really ahead of their time. Um, Roger's chances one day of getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame will be what? I think we're not we're not hearing you, Rick. We're not we're not hearing you, Rick. Let's see if we can. Can you hear me? Are you there, there you go, can Rick. Go not. ahead. Let me hear your thoughts on Roger Brown. Okay, I think
6: um, a couple years back he was. He got right down in the senior pool. He got down right down to the finals and got edged out. Uh, and that he, he was that close to being a Hall of Famer. I think one of the issues for Roger was the fact that Alex Karras wasn't in. And now Karras is in. Now we can better address his candidacy. See, he, he teamed with Karras for the first part of the decade and teamed with Merlin Olson for the second part of the decade. Both those guys were all-decade tackles. Roger Brown was not. So, I don't think you could put Brown in until you address Karras. Now that's done. And I think Roger Brown is again in play.
1: Roger Brown, what a, you know, his, his, you just look at it. I mean, Rick really just a great football player and one of the legendary guys during his era. All right, let's get into this Cowboy game versus the Eagles. Your opinion after first two games, of the Cowboy season, they play the Buccaneers to a very good football game. They still go for 470. They get four turnovers and lose on the road. Then they go on the road again to Los Angeles. And I like that Charger team. I think that Charger team has a chance of being a playoff team. Um, Your assessment so far of what you're seeing with the Cowboys? Well, I think they needed to do what had to be done. They had to split the first two games.
6: You assume they were going to lose to Tampa, but they had to come back and beat uh, the Chargers. You don't want to start a season 0-2. There's not a good history of teams starting 0-2 that make the playoffs. Bottom line is they've they've lost to the Bucs and needed a 56-yard field goal to beat the Chargers. So I'm not doing cartwheels yet. But the positive signs that I did see, uh, especially last weekend, Dak Prescott didn't throw a touchdown pass. And I think this town and, and this the fans had to realize you know, that they felt that if Dak doesn't win it, they're not going to win it. Uh, they're getting takeaways, something they did in the last year. They got six takeaways. They lead the league. They won on the road, something I didn't do last year. They were 2-6 and on the road last year. Uh, Elliott and the running game came back against the charge, and I think you'll see more of the running game going forward. Uh, There's a lot of positives. Michael Michael Parsons could be the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's a special talent because uh, Demarcus Lawrence went down. They asked him to play end last week, and he led the team in quarterback pressures. I mean, they've got some good young players. Trayvon Diggs at corner, good young players on defense. They got a team. I th- I think they're clearly the favorite now, in the NFC East. But I think uh, a ten and six record could win the East, and I do think that the the Eagles and uh, Washington need to be heard from.
1: How about this too, though, Rick? You know, if you go back really to the last ten games, even from a year ago. The Cowboys are third in the NFL when it comes to takeaways. You know, I always looked at that stat as those those stats come in bunches. When you still look at the yards that they're giving up against the rush and you're still looking at some of the penalties and you're still still looking at pass defense. I mean, that stuff does when that stuff dries up, you're still who you are. So, going into this game, it's got to be a priority for them to be able to still focus on stopping the run. Dan Quinn's influence so far in your opinion has been on what on the defense so far with the Cowboys.
6: Well, they're more athletic. He's got, he's got different type bodies, bigger bigger defensive backs, and, and the athleticism is apparent. Uh, last year, I think they were sc- scheme-driven, and this year, I think they're athletics-driven. Uh, they get after it. They can run, uh, and they make they can make plays, which is what they're doing. Uh, they haven't been bad against it. They're a top 10 run defense right now. Their issue has been the quarterbacks, and they've played two of the probably – Seven or eight best quarterbacks in football, and Tom Brady and Justin Herbert. I thought it'd be a major accomplishment if they wound up splitting these two, and they've done that. I mean, Herbert is—he's—he's he's going to be sensational in this league. We all know about Brady, and they survived those two weeks. Now they got three straight home games, all games they should win. They could very well be sitting at four and one going to New England.
1: Is there a? controversy at the running back positioning follow me here when I say this I think Pollard correct me if I'm wrong 13 carries 107 that he had in limited touches too I mean he outgained I think Zeke by around 14 uh, 14 uh, 40 I mean 40 yards I think it was that he outgained him by I mean he's making 10 million dollars a year it looks like Pollard to me is the fresher guy he looks like the more explosive guy he looks like he does a really great job in pass catching are we starting to see a transition that the cowboys are going through right now going from zeke to pollard as the guy who's going to be the eventual number one guy or is that still in debate you know you look at the cowboys
6: and what if your highest paid running back and your highest paid wide receiver aren't your best running back and aren't your best receiver you know cd lamb uh is not i mean amari cooper is the guy with the money and cd lamb is the guy with the production uh I think you're seeing a, a team that's moving toward becoming younger. I don't think Pollard uh, takes over from Zeke this year. I could see it next year if there's a, there's some cap issues. Pollard right now I think remains a great compliment. He's a better receiver than Zeke, and and I think they have they bring two different dimensions. If you want Zeke's if you have Zeke's shoulders square to the line, he's a power back between the tackles. You want Pollard on the edge, and I think that's the, 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 they can they can be complementary backs um, in this offense that way. And, and they're not going to wear either guy down. You know, I, I think the days of Elliot getting 25, 27 carries are over. I, I could see these guys splitting carries. I think when it's all said and done, Elliott will have more carries. He's still their guy. And I think in the fourth quarter, when you're, when you're running out the clock, I think he's the guy who's on the field, uh, the being the battering ram for those, uh, time consuming yard consuming drives. Um, so I don't think there's any issue with, Elliott and Pollard right now, but I think uh, it could be an issue next year.
1: How about this one too, Rick? I mean, you know, I I, I saw a very well-constructed game by Kellen Moore in that game against the Buccaneers. I thought his play calling, and I thought the design of the plays – you know, you can always tell when a quarterback um, is in tune with a coordinator, and you can always tell the coordinator and the quarterback have had some influence when it comes to designing the plays – and you can see his background being a quarterback and seeing through the eyes of Dak as they're putting this together. I don't want to sound too melodramatic here for the people that are watching us now, but that's why I think like Frank Reich is one of your better, you know, designers of plays. I'm seeing that a little bit with Sirianni as well. I mean, I, I see Kellen Moore being potentially the quarterback who became the coordinator now becomes the head football coach of this Dallas Cowboy team. I mean, if this team stumbles around, I mean, he could be the head coach of this football team next year, or I know he's going to be eventually. Do you see the same thing with him as he's the air oh, parent? Think, I think for Kellen Moore to become a head coach in this league,
6: he's got to have success in January. You look at the young coaches, uh, the LaFleurs and, and the Naggies, they got they got head coaching jobs because of what the their offenses did in the postseason. You know, if the Cowboys win the division, get knocked out in the first round, not sure he's going to be on the top of anybody's list. But if the Cowboys win the division, win a couple games, get to the NFC title game, possibly the Super Bowl, I think he'll be the top guy on every list. But it's what this offense and what Calamore does in January and February that will dictate his future success as a head coach.
1: How about this one here, too, with Dak? I mean, have you been impressed with Dak or not impressed, or are you Switzerland so far on his performance so far out of the gate?
6: No, I think uh, he missed a year. And I didn't know what to expect. He didn't participate in any of the preseason games. You didn't know what the timing was going to be like. Now, he's got great players around him, but but Dak Prescott's shown he can be a guy that can throw for 400 yards. He he can rally a team that's down. But last week, uh, they ran the ball more than they threw it. And I think that's that's something that the NFL has got to look at. All of a sudden, this team can beat you on the ground as well as the pass. If you want to play pass defense, and prevent Dak from beating you, they will pound you with a uh, pollard and Ellie. I think that was a, a pretty good uh, signal for the NFL how this team can play. But Dak, he threw 50, what, 57 times his first game? I mean, he showed no ill effects from, from the injury. In four of his last seven games, he's thrown for at least 400 yards. I mean, you can win with Dak Prescott. You don't want him throwing for 400 yards every week. You don't want him throwing 50 times every week. But I think if you can get a balance, much like they had with uh, Troy and Emmitt, if you can get maybe 30, 32 passes, 25, 26 runs, I think that that's the best uh, Cowboy t- offense you can have if there's balance. If it's lopsided with, with uh, Dak throwing, I mean, Dak, with all the yards he threw last year, he was one three as a started with 500-yard passing games, 400-yard passing games. I think now they're figuring out, you know, something. We need to run. I know McCarthy talked in the off season, but we got to run the ball more. I think you're going to see that, and and I think this is going to be a very good team as they achieve that balance.
1: Yeah, and to your point, I mean, over the last 15 games, Dak Prescott is six and nine. I mean, that goes back to 2019 in November. So they got to start winning some games, just in know, a lot I mean, of yards, a lot of and a lot of yards. Absolutely. Hey, from from 30,000 feet here, Rick, your thoughts on the start of the Eagles. I mean, you know, I, I think maybe we underestimated them and then we talk, you know, we came out of that first week versus the Falcons. We started talking maybe that there's more to it. They look better. Then they kind of came back down to earth versus the 49ers. I mean, you know, I don't know that Falcon team that game with the Buccaneers last weekend was 2825 with seven minutes left in the fourth. So, I mean, the Falcons aren't as bad as week one, but. Just your assessment on what you see with the Eagles getting out of the gate, one and one.
6: Yeah, I think they've got the defense that that can contend. I think they've they fixed that. You know, the the jury's still out on on Jalen Hurts. It's it's a quarterback league. If you look at the quarterbacks in this division, you know you got to like Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. You know, he's much more farther advanced than Daniel Jones or um, Heineke of Washington or, or, or Jalen Hurts. And I think uh, we still have to see Hurts go out and win a game with his arm. Uh we know he can run, but I think this this would be a good test. I mean the Cowboys, you, you've been able to throw in the Cowboys. And if Jalen Hurts has got it in him, let's let's see him throw
1: the ball this weekend, see how they fare. All right. You've been covering this team forever. You know, to me, when I used to ask my uncle who the number one rival was for the Giants, he always said Eagles. Okay. It was it was the Eagles. Now, when I was in Dallas for my cup of coffee, it was always Washington. I don't – but when you talk Eagles and Cowboys, the people in Philadelphia, man, they – hey, Rick, they they hate that team. I mean, I was talking to Gary Cobb yesterday. and Gary played with the Cowboys, yeah. and somebody brought a Cowboy pitcher around to like a signing event in Philly, and, 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 and people over his back going, Gary, really? Really? You're going to sign that in Philly? So, I mean, g- give me your sense of this rivalry here between the Cowboys and Eagles and what it's meant. Maybe back to the I- – I don't know how far back you would go. Maybe Stallbacks era, you can go back to that far, how 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 this rivalry's played out. Give me just your historical view on the Cowboys and Eagles. Well, I think the best rivalries in this
6: division are always the Cowboys and who's ever good at that time. <laughs> you know, from the 70s Washington in the 80s, it was Philadelphia a little bit uh, – I go back – you know, I think Washington is still the traditional rival. But I go back to those early 90s with Jimmy and Buddy Ryan and that great Reggie White defense and Eric Williams lined up against them and Jerome Brown and Michael Irvin. and John. I, mean, I, I thought that was – I covered a Monday night game there, I think, in 92 or 93. And I tell you what, it was – that parking lot, that parking lot was full at probably noon <laughs> for a night game. And, and it was – you had a sense of something bad's going to happen tonight. You know, that, that was, this is not a crowd that, that takes to lose. And this is not a crowd that likes the co- Cowboys at all. Uh, there's just, there's a, when the Eagles are good and the Cowboys are good, that, that's, there may not be a better rivalry.
1: Hey, 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 Rick, I'll, I'll tell you a quick one. We, we, we went to Philly, we went to the vet once, and I looked over I at, I looked over at, um, I looked over at Michael Irwin. I go, is that a rip in the seam of the turf? He's like, it's been there for three years. <laughs> <laughs> what, a,
6: what a dump. But, but what, a great, what a great atmosphere. I felt the same way about RFK. What a dump, but what a great atmosphere for a football game.
1: Hey, hey, Rick, I have never been in a stadium where you could turn around and you actually see the bleachers going up and down like an accordion. And RFK used to be so freaking loud. I used to tell people, because it was right on top of you. And the crowd and the, and the sidelines, and you turn around and look, it looked like that thing was elevating, like it was on Shockers, that stadium. That was another great old part to play a game in.
6: Yeah, I got. Uh, I, I recall the first time I went to RFK with the Cowboys in 1990. Cowboys, of course, to better team. Or the Redskins Washington was a better team and Dale Green picked off a pass in the fourth quarter, went about 70 with it, and that upper deck was in the press box We're in the upper deck, this, this is not safe. I don't feel real good about this right now. I'm glad Green didn't pick it off on another one. That might that place might have come down.
1: It's a great. It should be a great Monday night atmosphere there at AT&T. Rick, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate you always finding time for me. Go Spartans. Oh, right to the heart, right to the heart. Thank you so much. Sparty took my canes out last week. He even, yeah, that's right. Rick ended up sending me a, uh, a DM on my Twitter. Go Sparty. What? Let's take a time out to keep it here on the national football show.
2: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to get your spin on. Go to get your spot on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You... could say that. Holy sh! The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yeah, okay, but is the rip Smooth?
0: Will you stop
3: doing that?
0: I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
3: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
4: Toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
5: On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. On three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
2: Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
1: Welcome back, National Football Show, Dan Silio. Trey dog, the body bag game. (laughs) Trey, let me tell you about the vet. So you drive up into that parking lot, you get off that highway and you go under that bridge and you go over to that big old ass parking lot and, um, you know, Spectrum and all that stuff, they're back in the day, right? And you roll in there, man, and you're on a bus, and you play the Eagles, man, and you see that fan base flipping you off, saying everything on the band. You mother – it is – yeah, hey, I tell you, man, roll into the vet. It, it, your, your lockers are under the stadium, obviously, okay? And, you know, your equipment's all there. You're you're there. It's where you practiced. It's it, they practiced on that field, they had a little field off to the side, too. But Jerome was like, This, he's like, Man, I'll tell you what, Tills, you know, we didn't, you thought we didn't have, we didn't have, uh, you know, really great facilities at Miami back in the day. He goes, Man, here in Philadelphia, man, these people roll into this thing here, man, holy cow, but the environment, wow, loud. And when you play the Eagles like in November and it's freezing at the vet. Now look, I've been to Lincoln Financial. I haven't seen an Eagle game there, but I, I've seen some Army Navy games. It's a beautiful stadium. I love the Link. I love that whole setup there, man. You know, the new basketball facility there. You've got the uh, the football stadium there. It's really cool, dude. That's a really it's a really great place to have like tailgating. All good. Man, spitting, cursing, throwing beers. <laughs> yeah. Dude, sounds like a great time to me. I'm good. I'm in. Right? Hey, you know what, though? Think about all the great old school stadiums that you used to have, like, great times at. Even old, like, uh, Meadowlands. That thing, so freaking cold, man. You roll into the uh, in, in, into the Meadowlands. And you go in there and see a giant Eagles or Giants uh, Cowboy game. That place, too, was off the chain. You know, and that, this was back in the day when you had the multi-purpose stadiums, too. The Phillies played on that thing. But there'd always be a rip in the middle of the um, the Vets' outfield. And you're like this. Man, you don't think they'd fix this thing, but they kept it that way. I mean... They did. They just kept it that way. Paul says, I have seven nieces and nephews, and for all of them, their first words as babies was, Dallas sucks. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Let's do this. You may have to root for the Cowboys this year if you want to win a division. Yeah. Someone go, okay, Silio. Tell you what I'll do. I will root for the. I'll root for the Cowboys. Okay, when you root for the Gators, um, I would rather put a stake in my heart before I ever root for those dudes. Someone asked me uh, last week, Gators in Bama. They go, Sills, are you going for Bama? No. So you're pulling for the Gators. No. I just don't want Alabama to win. No, no, no. What? Well, you're rooting for the Gators then. No, I'm not rooting for anybody. Well, if you're not rooting for Bama, then you're going for the Gators. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I never said that. they catch that out of my mouth. I'd be like, hey, do you understand something too? By the way, Eagle guys, you know this, man. You know, I have a Hall of Fame relative that played for the New York Giants. Okay, I got a Hall of Fame New York Giant. Yeah, You see it back there on the wall back there, right? There's the jersey. When I was raised, it was Giants and Eagles. Man, in my in, in my house, it wasn't Giants and Washington. It was a rival. But, man, it was Giants and Eagles always. I don't know why. I think it goes back to maybe Bednarik and, and that crew on what they did to Gifford when they knocked Gifford out. <laughs> wasn't that the championship game, the Giants? Was that Giants-Eagles? 1960 was Giants and Eagles, right? They knocked Gifford out in that game. And I talked to Bednarik when he was alive. God, I love Chuck Bednarik. Chuck was one of my favorite dudes, man. I go, what'd you tell Gifford? I told him, this game is fucking over. (laughs) He's standing over. And he said that on the air on my radio show, did Bed and Eric? He did this about 20 years or 15 years ago. I got Chuck on. I go, this game is effing over. And I love that pitcher, one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the NFL. Bed and Eric standing over Gifford. And you know what? I knew Frank a long time. Frank was a good dude, man. And he said, that guy hit me so hard, man. I woke up next week. Yeah, man, that's a that's a great picture. Ugh, fantastic! Guys, buying the Raiders now, sitting at two and zero. John Gruden's beaten the Ravens and the Steelers, and he went and did the Steelers on the road at Hines. Like, like John Gruden's actually got the Raiders looking pretty decent. It's early. Am I buying them yet? Not sure. Not sure. Not sure I'm buying into it yet. By the way, we're hoping to catch up with Brad Sham. Brad's at a Jerry Jones event with Steven as we speak. So he's going to try to get in front of a computer here in a little bit. And Brad's the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. And he's been the voice of the Cowboys now, I think, going on 40 years. He's like the Merrill Reese of the Cowboys. And so he's been calling games for them ever since back in the day when I first got to Dallas. So Brad's going to give us his perspective. We heard Rich Gosselin as a news guy. Here's a guy that's traveling around with the team and can give us more insight because he's traveling around with the players. So we're going to get his thoughts. DrayDog says, I don't hate the G-men. I'm surrounded by Giants fans. And I like, I like me, realistic fans, hate Cowboys, the most delusional fan base every year. They are, man. I don't get the Cowboys either. The Eagles-Giants rally was in New York City and Philadelphia. Well, yeah, it is. You're right. It's Philly versus New York. Just like it's New York versus Boston and New York versus Chicago. I personally think Chicago, Boston, and Philly are some of the greatest sports cities in America because the fans are nuts. Dude, if you can't do sports talk in those cities, (laughs) you better hang it up, (laughs) right? You can't do do sports talk in Philly, Boston, and Chicago. There's something wrong with you. Raiders hurt Roethlisberger. Peck injury. Maybe you see Dwayne Haskins say this to you man i i i don't know what's wrong with the steelers and i'm going to i'm going to say it's their o line it's a brand new o line and it looks it they can't run the ball this is what's perplexing about the eagles you got all those horses if you don't run the ball for 150 yards against the cowboys you have no chance of winning against the cowboys and 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 i disagree with rick we'll see what brad says here in a little bit but for me i mean i don't know man i i i don't see i don't see the dallas defense getting better except for this they've got more takeaways i've always thought that the takeaways was fool's gold to me when you see a team after 3 games and they're number 1 in rush defense by the way they're very good right now they're top 10 in rush defense cowboys Okay. Do I think that holds up? I don't. Joseph says need to run the ball for 200 yards. You run the ball for 200 yards, you're not going to lose that game unless Jalen has turnovers in that ball game. There's no way the Eagles lose that ball game if they go into AT and T and run the ball for 200 yards. If you throw the ball for 400 yards, you'll lose because that is going to mean that you're throwing from behind. 200 yards is a stat that rarely lies to you. And I'm talking 200 yards rushing. It rarely lies to you. So, I mean, yeah, that's the stat that doesn't lie. Because what does it do if you're running the ball? Time of possession's on your side. Okay? You're limiting Dak to the amount of touches that we're seeing, okay, each and every single week where he's throwing the ball for 50, you know, 50 times. Got to limit that. You can't put 70 plays on the side of the Cowboys and think you're going to come out of that because that means you're trying to get into a shooting match with them and you're not going to be able to get into a shootout with the Cowboys because the Cowboys have too many dynamic players, especially at the Y and Z, and they're now starting to be able to run the ball you're starting to see a tad bit more versatility with the Cowboys now with Pollard and Elliott running the ball. That's going to open up play action more for Dak, you know? And, and as Rick Oslin said, you know, last week against the Chargers, Dak didn't have a touchdown throw. That's a big deal because going into every game, everyone's going to be under the assumption for the Cowboys to come away with a victory. Dak's got to play exceptional. See, You know, you you look at the Buccaneers, for instance. If Tom Brady's not playing well, he can turn around and give it to Leonard Fournette. Or if Brady's not getting the ball to the wide receivers and they're double covered, you can go down to tight ends with them. There are multiple ways of winning football games on that Tampa Bay team. That's what makes them a tough cover right now. That's what makes when you you play against a team like Baltimore – they're a different style of team, too, because you know why? How many times do you think – it's like playing against and practicing against a triple option when you're in college. Follow me when I say this. If you've ever played against a triple option, you don't see that a lot of times today in college football. You see spread offenses. You see RPOs now. You don't really see – or you'll see a seven-step guy. You don't see traditionally, you know – a like Veer-type offenses, which makes it almost impossible for you to defend. So when you're playing against or you're getting ready and preparing against somebody like Lamar Jackson, that's not an offense you see every week. There's a lot of similarities. Like when Philadelphia plays cow- the Cowboys, they know because they're common opponent what their strengths and weaknesses are because they play them twice a year. And they know pretty much the same personnel is going to be back. Offensive line, they were banged up a year ago. You know, Zeke was kind of decent. CeeDee Lamb was just kind of, you know, you know, getting into his own a little bit. Dak ended up getting injured. So the Cowboys were sporadic, to say the least, last year. Okay, but you still know common opponent because you've played against Dak a boatload of times. When you play against somebody like Lamar, and this could be if you do it right, if you're the Eagles and you do it right, You can get into a position where, get this, you can create an offense for Jalen Hurts. And follow me when I say this here. See, this is the one thing, and I said this after week one when they played the Atlanta Falcons. The great thing about what you're seeing with Sirianni is the fact that Sirianni designs these offenses to the personnel that he has in his room. All right. This is one of the guys that I just absolutely love, and he has been calling Cowboy Games forever and he has been so kind he had a giant event with the jones family and he has been able to do this now for us he is the voice of the dallas cowboys big game on monday night divisional game it's eagles going into at&t it's our friend brad sham brad thank you so much for finding time i appreciate it my friend
7: you're welcome danny i'm happy to be with you
1: hey you know the Joneses have to be after we we had rick goslin a couple minutes ago and 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 brad he, he, his notion was this, if you came out of these first two weeks and you played the way that they did, I mean, 470 in offense, you go in, you push the champs to the limit, you go on the road, you play against a damn good quarterback and Justin Herbert, you win on a 56-yard field goal, Dak doesn't throw a TD, that you'd be pretty good with coming out of this, going into a divisional game on Monday night. How do you feel about that? I
7: thought there was a chance they could be 0-2 before I knew that they were going to be missing five starters in the second game. And uh, that's because uh, having seen Herbert at the end of last year, I just thought he was one of the best young quarterbacks I'd ever seen. And I thought that people underestimated the Chargers who didn't get to see him all the time. Tampa, you, you knew, was going to be difficult. But if they'd been going in, I, I could see them being 0-2 and uh, then writing the ship and finding their legs and, and uh, being able to be competitive. So I think being one and one, they were a little fortunate, uh, but uh, they were a little unfortunate in uh, Tampa. They also made plenty of mistakes in both games. So they've got a lot of improving to do, and they're still going to be missing some players Monday night, but uh, you know, where everybody is, it's, you know, you played, it's a violent game. Uh, but I, I think that they're, especially in the division they're in, I think at one and one, they're okay.
1: How about this, Brad, you know, is there a different feel about the team and I'm going to say something to you. You're probably going to think it's a, it's some shade being thrown on a team, but I don't think it is. When I watched hard knocks, I was bored with them. But to me, that's a good thing. I don't want the drama around the team. I want them to be focused going into the season and playing with a sense of urgency. So I came out of that. People were going, I talked to Tony Casillas. He's like, they were kind of boring. And both him and I went, well, that's a really a good thing. Is there a different vibe, I guess, where I'm going with this team this year compared to last year? Well, yeah.
7: Last year, obviously, everybody was uh, feeling their way along because it was so unusual. There was no preseason. There were no OTAs. There was no off-season program. And uh, I think the Browns were the only team with a new head coach last year that did anything any good. Uh, I guess, I guess was, was last year Ron Rivera's first year in Washington. Yes. So they wound up winning the division and you have to give them credit for that. But um, you know, they, they, I don't think that they want to be seven and nine every year. And so I, I would say the Browns were the only team with a new head coach, a new coaching staff that really had the kind of a year that they would be happy with having said that. I thought, um, you know, there's no – look, it's not my opinion. The numbers tell you how horrendous the Cowboys' defense was last year. And I think coaching had a lot to do with that. And so they had to find a way to bounce back. The hiring of Dan Quinn seemed to be a step in the right direction. They also have – I think they've got more than a half dozen – veteran newcomers on the defensive side of the ball. None of them's an all-pro. A couple of them were high picks. Most of them are role players. You know, New England built a dynasty by hiring role players every year to fit their system. Now whether that's what's happening here, it's way too early to say, but they've had guys make contributions who a lot of people have never heard of. And so I think that has made the answer to your question be yes there's a different feel obviously seeing the quarterback back on his feet and with what he went through physically and emotionally that gives everybody a lift and you know they're they're pretty healthy and I think there's definitely a different feeling a more positive feeling but that's just a feeling until they turn it into something. They have to go play.
1: Absolutely. They got to win the NFC East, in my opinion. Just starters there. You know, I, I saw something in the first game, Brad, and I'm starting to see the development of a guy that I'm really becoming impressed with. And that's Kellen Moore. The designing of the plays, the structures of the plays, how they're getting guys open now, the development of Pollard. You're seeing, like, like I said, Dak didn't throw a touchdown. This past week and they won, which is huge because it shows that he doesn't have to play a flawless game for the Cowboys to go into a place against a playoff roster, I think, in the Chargers and get a win. So, I mean, I I see this guy eventually one day being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, but just your assessment, as you've seen Kellen over the last couple of years here, growing into this role, he's turning into a pretty damn good play caller.
7: There's a lot of people who think he's going to be a head coach before he gets a chance to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) He's 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 had as good a start as anybody when you look. It's not just. You know, the great Ernie Zampezi told me once, uh, you know, and he er, for people who don't remember Ernie, he was one of the great offensive coaches in the league for a long, long time. And I asked him once, uh, hey, what's your definition of a good play? said one that works. And so uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's more to success as an offensive coordinator, in my opinion, than just plays that work. One thing that Kellen has done, he's really stepped this part of the game up. I think this year is pre snap motion. It's just a lot of window dressing, but for you guys who are lining up with your hand in the ground trying to just figure out who you're supposed to chase and what your key is, when, when the potential keys change three times between huddle and snap, it gives you a half-second pause. It makes you think, not just play. And, you know, you have to play this game. You, you, you have to think about it during the week. You can't think during the game. And so I think that he has done a tremendous job with formations, with play design, with pre-snap motions, uh, with things to all coaches can do after all is put guys in position to be successful. And then it's up to the player to execute and be successful. And I think he's done an exceptional job of that. And When you talk to people who knew him when he was playing at Boise, um, they will tell you that's who he was then. You know, the interesting thing is that a lot of people kind of don't think about as they watch Prescott's development. When Dak was a rookie, he was the third-string quarterback. In fact, he came to camp in a battle for the third-string quarterback job. And Tony Romo was the starter, and Kellen Moore was the backup. And Kellen broke his ankle about the second week of camp and Dak became backup. Then Romo got hurt in Seattle and Dak took over. But it was Kellen Moore. Kellen came home from camp. He had surgery. Now he's still an active player. He came back. He had surgery on his ankle and it was Dak. I mean, it was Kellen Moore as much as anyone who was holding Dak's hand and in his ear and in the meetings with him, you know, Romo was doing his own rehab the first half yeah. of that year. He didn't have to. People don't understand. When a player's on injured reserve and he's rehabbing an injury, he's getting medical treatment at the time that meetings and practice are going on. And so Tony Romo didn't have the opportunity to be the mentor to Prescott. He was trying to get himself back on the field. Kellen was that guy. Kellen and and Sanchez, who was the the third quarterback that they signed. But Kellen was, was in Dak's ear. So they've been, my point is, they've been sharing quarterback thoughts since Dak, literally since he came into the league. And then uh, two years later, Kellen was the quarterback coach, and then he became the coordinator. Well, that means he and Dak have been together
1: wow. literally
7: all of Dak's career. So one of the things I always think of, Dan, is when when, when the Saints won their Super Bowl, And the greatest thing about it to me was that Drew Brees and Sean Payton were like a mind meld. You know, it's like Payton thought it on the sideline and Brees was thinking it on the field. And I think that's what Kellen and I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying that kind of communication is what Kellen and Dak are building. And they've been building it for five years. And so I think that we are seeing now some of the things as Kellen grows as a coach, he is uniquely qualified to know what Dak can handle. Dak's uniquely qualified to know what Kellen's thinking. And if it continues to go well for them offensively, I think that'll be one of the reasons you'll see that natural growth and progression continue to grow.
1: Last two questions for you here. Um, Michael Parsons, you know, he was kind of like the guy, that the Cowboys ended up taking because they were really eyeballing. And I've heard Steven even say, you know, they were looking really at a corner. I think it was the Bama guy, Sertain, that ended up going to Denver. I think that propelled them even to trade down with the Eagles in the draft. And they end up getting the kid from Penn State. You know, it's funny. Sometimes, Brad, in the light of an injury, you find something else that's special. So DeMarcus Lawrence goes down, all of a sudden they put – This kid Parsons in a pass-rushing situation, he was all over the field. I watched that game against the Chargers. I'm telling you, man, he may be the best prospect defensively uh, as a rookie going into this year. I mean, two weeks, he's a special player. His impact from your eyes on what you've seen with him.
7: Well, most people thought he was the best defensive player in the draft. That doesn't mean that it would take – I know the Cowboys had him ranked higher than both Sertan and Horn – both of whom the Cowboys would have taken had they been, and they would have left him on the board. There wasn't enough distance, but it's not like they had Parsons number two and the other guys number 12. They had Parsons ahead. They would have taken the corner because that was their biggest need. But when both corners were gone, then they looked at their highest rated guy. Really the only um, debate they had to have was with themselves between him and and uh, Slater, who the Chargers are happy with, and so should they be. Um, and I think both teams are going to wind up being very happy. You know, I had a chance to watch Parsons in the Cotton Bowl two years ago. Yep. And i getting ready for that game, watched several of his games. It was clear that he was an unusual player. He's not just a linebacker. He's an unusual player. And I think that it's not just that he took up the pass rush job last week, but he he didn't know he was going to have to do it until Wednesday night. Demarcus Lawrence didn't get hurt till Wednesday. So he learned all of what he did in two days. And so they will now figure out the best way to use it. When they get Lawrence back, hopefully they'll have Randy Gregory back this week, be several weeks until Lawrence is back. Then they'll find the best way to use Parsons. And it may be two years before His full value is measurable based on what he has the opportunity to do. But he's not a one-trick pony. There's a lot of ways they can use him, and I think he's an unusual player.
1: Last question for you. Um, More of an observation, too. I mean, you've been covering the Cowboys uh, basically since I was there and with Jimmy and Jerry and all that. You know, I I watched that Hall of Fame game, and I watched Jimmy and Jerry and those guys, you know, I, I have been talking a lot to Coach. And he's just like, you know, there seems to be a lot of stuff that has been mended between these two. And I just wanted your your thoughts. I mean, Brad, to see those two guys, Troy Aikman texts me. He goes, can you believe what you're seeing here? I go, no, I, I, I really can't. But maybe it's just the competitiveness of both men that those guys were just like that ever since they were at Arkansas together. I don't know, Brad, just your sense of, now Jimmy's going into the Cowboy Ring of Honor, which is a great honor for him, and I know it means a lot to him. I've asked him, um, just what you've seen over the last couple of months with these two men. Oh, you know they they have they've known
7: each other a long time. They've been very good friends. They have they they had a parting of the ways when they had a parting of the ways, and um, and they are both very stubborn and very prideful. Um, <laughs> but there's no doubting the contributions each one of them has made uh, to the franchise uh, as well as to the league. That's why they're both in the hall of fame. And I do think that as, as you get older, um, then, you know, as you get older, your some of the, your priorities change a little bit. And I think they understand that there's a lot good that they can still do for each other.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Brad, thank you so much. I know you, uh, you rushed bet. back after that, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Good. To- that is my friend Brad Sham, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. I so love the guy. We'll take a brief time out. get back to your spin. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go to
2: get your spin on. Go to get your spot on. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink, go for the steaks and the steak. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
3: At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy sh- for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your- You betcha. But is it made out of- Glass? Okay, but is the rip Smooth?
0: Will you stop doing- That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free?
3: That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of stateside vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
4: When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messa Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
1: Welcome back, National Football Stadium, boy. Daniel. Ron G says that Carson Wentz sprained three ankles. Guy, softest tissue, man. Okay, like when I need to, when, when I need toilet paper, I get the Wentz brand. <laughs> I get the Wentz brand. Uh, yes, is that tissue? Yes, can I have the Wentz brand? Well, what's the Wentz brand? It's extra soft. <laughs> yes, can I have the extra soft brand, please? Oh, wh- wh- what brand are you looking for? Uh, the Carson Wentz brand. Yeah, you, you, you know, soft to the touch. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, from now on, everyone in Philly should do this. Yeah, I need some, uh, you know, paper towels. I need some coffee. Yeah, get me some Wentz. What's Wentz? It's crab paper. Soft to the touch. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you. Hey, I, I, who's – wait a minute now. Who's softer, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffries, or Carson Wentz? Ooh, that's a tough one. I don't know, man. Can can you imagine? Watch this. Those three guys in a huddle. I mean, you can't bump into me like that. You know how I feel if you bump into me like that. Well, Deshaun, I didn't mean to bump into you like that. Now you've injured my heart. Alshon, I hurt your heart talking to you like that. And then Carson comes limping up going, well, both of you guys are making my ankles hurt. (laughs) Both of you guys have made my ankles hurt. Look at what you've done. Both of you guys and your ways have hurt my three ankles, according to Ken. Holy cow. Right? Better not be soft against. Yeah, hey, this kid Parsons can play. Joseph says, Deshaun Jackson, man, those guys were so soft. Those wideouts, those guys were just tissue paper, man. Yes, yeah, so I'll take some uh, Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson. What's that? It's crap house paper, man. Philly got rid of their crap house paper now. You know what? You, you know what Philly has now for toilet paper? They got that stuff that you know you go when you're like at a, like a McDonald's or you're in a high school, and <laughs> you're like, that's not really toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, try to go into a stadium like that. That always have the worst. Is is that sandpaper? Hey, yeah, Okay, I'll take a half a, I'll take a half a sheet of that. <laughs> don't don't ever go to the bathroom in a in a stadium, unless you're in a suite, right? Unless you're in a suite. Oh man, yeah, that was really nice of um. Brad to do that for us. Brad just came from a Jerry Jones event. By the way, I want to throw you my top five college uh, teams. Uh, not much has changed in this. Five is A&M. Four is Oklahoma. Three is Oregon. Two is Georgia. One is BAM. I finally gave Bama a number one because they went into Gainesville and they beat the Gators. That was a really good victory. Florida has beaten a good opponent here. I mean, Alabama's beating a good opponent in Florida, so they get the kudos. Joseph says, tissue paper, Deshaun, super soft. You know, yeah, Deshaun would have, like, a little bunny on it. He'd have a little bunny on his cover of his crap paper. Alshon would have flowers and Wentz, I don't know, Oh, smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> man, hey, the red rifle, man. I don't know. Both my ankles are sprained. Jesus Christ, Guy, really? How do you sprain both of your ankles? Oh. And, and and get this. It, here was my problem, though, with Wentz. So, if both of your ankles are sprained, you should be in that training room right now. You should be doing everything in your power to start getting treatment. (laughs) Hey, hey, wait a minute. So on the cover of uh, Wentz's TP? he's got a picture of a doe, a deer, a little tiny baby deer. Like deer in the headlights too? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Come on, dog. How can you be uh, Aaron Donald? I know, man, but Jesus criminy. So the Colts start out 0-2, and your quarterback's now toast. Do you go get Nick Foles? He's waiting up in Chicago to be grabbed by the Colts. You know that that's what they want to do. But then they got to do this. See, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Hey, Carson, I'm getting Foles. This is what I would do if I was Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts. Okay. I'd go, and, and, I, and I would take Frank in there and go, listen, we think you two guys could be a really good duo, a dynamic duo. Philly didn't want to make it work. Let's see if we can make it work here. Nick, you're the backup. You want to roll here? You're the backup. Um, Carson, you're our starter. If both of you guys don't want to make this work, then let's go. Smile says Cam Newton. Would you rather have Cam- – Here, here's the deal, though, Smile. Frank's got a better relationship with um, – he's got a better relationship. I think he's got a better relationship with Nick than he does with Cam. I don't think Frank's ever worked with Cam. I don't think so. Frank's got, Frank's got like 10 or 12 like assistant coaching jobs. I don't think he's ever run into him. Yeah, Foles goes in, watch this, the Colts don't lose another game. And you got Wentz there with two hurt ankles. Carl says, oh, that's mean. Oh, I'm sorry, Carl. Really? (laughs) The NFL's mean. Cam's available. I just don't think that. I'm going to go get Nick Foles. That's mean? No, that's winning. I'm trying to win ball games here. And I I would look at Carson and go, dude, you're hurt again. This is the third surgery. Actually, it's going to be, yeah, third surgery because both your ankles, they may not need surgery, but both your ankles, you got two injuries and you've had a surgery inside of three months. If you're the Colts, I don't know how you don't go like this. Well, we really do have to address this. Okay, They've really got to address it. So, I mean, you know, Carson Wentz, man, I was expecting way more. Way more from him. So, circle back here. Um, This week against the Cowboys, I'd be in that practice room and I would be on that practice field. I would be telling my offensive line you guys have to win this ball game against the cowboys you guys have to run the ball somebody brought up 200 yards rushing that that number sounds about right i mean i'm saying 150 and up but 200 yards rushing you've got to be able to run the ball against the cowboys you've got to be able to test that in my opinion you've got to stress that too this week and, and, you know, Krause said something very interesting, too. Krause made a point. He goes, how about some more passes across the middle? You know, you utilize the tight end like you see Brady doing. Well, Jalen Hurts, though, guys, he's not in that position to see that play yet. You know how Brady went down against the uh, against the Cowboys, and he had Gronk on the line of scrimmage, and he first had him on uh, pass probe and pass protection? Okay, then he auto-bulled him out of it, into block and release on the seam, and Brady saw the blitzer and hit him going in for a 10-yard touchdown pass. You think Jalen sees that play right now? I don't think Jalen sees that play yet. I think he's limited, and that's why they're giving him sideline to hash mark, sideline to hash mark, and they're rolling him out that way. Wentz on the sidelines pouting with foals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Foles is the man Hugh says, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I, I, I don't care about people's feelings. If I'm on the sidelines and I'm trying to win a game, who gives, who gives a damn if, you know, who gives a damn what your feelings are? You got to go out and win some games. You got to go out and win some ball games. Hey, man, it's Cowboy Week for the Eagles, man. I love it. This is what pro football is all about, these great super rivalries. Hey, thank you so much, everybody, for sticking with us. I know we had a little bit of technical issues, and we were able to fix that and get it straightened out. You guys hung in there with us. I can't wait, okay, really. I, we're, we're trying to run down Donovan McNabb, too, uh, this week, too. So, hey, if you missed any of the show, please go over to the Jacob Media channel. Like it. We'll catch you tomorrow going 4 to 6. Thank you so much for stepping in with us. We'll catch you on the flip side.